From the Editor's Desk Introduction The development and commercialization of sports has been complex and fragmented in the Indian context, which has posed several challenges in this area, some of which are related to labor law. The need for labor law in sport is felt largely due to the existence of multiple entities that govern sports and sportspersons, and therefore the various interests at play. Broadly, these may include the interests of the club, for instance, whereby they would not want to pay a player who is not able to perform, and the interests of sporting bodies, who seek to preserve the integrity of the game, not to mention the individual interests of professional sportspersons. The present article concerns with the contemporary labor law and employment-related challenges in the Indian sports industry. Identification of the problem. The organizational structure of Indian sports is shaped in a pyramid form and is hierarchical in nature, formed in a highly complex manner with the Indian Olympic Committee, here and after referred to as IOC, and the National Sports Federations, here and after referred to as NSFs, at the national level vis-à-vis the state and district federations respectively at the lower levels. Furthermore, various other actors such as the Sports Authority of India, here and after referred to as SAI, and the Ministry of Youth Affairs and Sports, here and after referred to as MOIS, play a key role in the industry. Amidst this complexity, it is important to understand the relationship of the players or sportspersons with these organizations and other key stakeholders from a labor law point of view. The primary problem is that of recognition of sportspersons as employees within the purview of the applicable labor laws, insofar as employees are afforded better protection of the law, and, it could be difficult to ascertain the role of sportspersons to be that of employees or independent contractors. This problem gets worsened owing to the fact that all relationships in the sports industry are governed by contracts and these contracts are generally skewed against the players inasmuch as the sports organizations and other stakeholders tend to retain complete bargaining powers. Analysis In this light, it has to be understood whether the application of labor law in sport can act as an effective tool in diminishing slash eradicating the imbalance of powers between various stakeholders in the sporting industry. This is done by recognizing how labor law may be applied to sport, and then discussing the various aspects of labor law that can help reduce such imbalance, in the context of the United Kingdom and India, through a comparative study. To address the research problem at hand, it is pertinent to discuss the applicable tests which Indian courts have applied time and again to determine whether a person falls under the purview of employee. Prior to proceeding, it should be noted that in general, all the NSFs are required to abide by the applicable labor laws in India. Relevant labor law tests to determine the employment relationship. Direction and control test. The direction and control test is primarily applicable to determine any employment relationship, and it essentially looks at the degree of direction and control enjoyed by the superior over the subordinate. It aims to discover if the employment relationship between the employer and the worker is that of a master-servant relationship or not. It also aims to determine if the employer controls the nature of the work done and how the employee carries their duties. An employer is said to have influence over a person if they were informed not just what to do, but also how to accomplish it. This can be illustrated by the fact that teams use non-playing personnel in a range of jobs. Many of these individuals will meet the requirements for obtaining employee status and will be granted the same statutory privileges as players, managers, and coaches, if the club exercises control over them. However, clubs may also hire casual employees on zero-hour contracts. These employees will not be able to obtain wrongful dismissal or statutory redundancy rights, as they don't fall within the ambit of employee, but they will be eligible to the national living-slash-minimum wage and paid vacations, available to workers. The Organization Test A person's obedience to the employer's directives in connection to the vital services supplied by the organization demonstrates that the worker is a component or member of the organization, hence establishing employer-employee relations. 
it is necessary to determine if the services offered are vital, integral, and necessary to the organization, or are merely additional and incidental. The Integrity Test In this test, determination is made of an individual's integration to the employer's organization or whether they have other comparable job interests in other companies. The second factor to consider is whether the individual is paid by the primary employer or by a contractor. If they respond yes to both of these questions, they will be classed as an employee. Economic Reality Test This test is used to determine the person's level of economic dependency on the organization. Application in the European Union In the case of Walker v. Crystal Palace Football Club Limited, while discussing the employee status of sportspersons, the Court of Appeals held that the argument that individual athletes' talents put them beyond the control of the clubs that paid them was dismissed. Flowing from the control test, modern employment law still needs an element of control for a person to have employee status, however, it is not the sole factor for such determination. Other variables, such as whether a person is in business for their own account, are also taken into consideration. As a result, despite their seniority and control over club concerns, club managers are employees. One of these other variables is that of mutuality of obligations. As was held in the case of Singh v. National Review Board, mutual obligations where each contractual party incurs a responsibility to the other, must be present for a person to have employee status. Furthermore, as was held in the case of Carmichael v. National Power PLC, mutual obligations entail an employer's commitment to give work and pay to an employee, and in turn, an employee's obligation to complete the job given by the employer until the employment contract is terminated. This essentially embodies that employer job obligations, along with employee job obligations, are a necessary feature of any employment relationship. Application in India while the imbalance between the powers of sportspersons and administrators has existed in the global sphere in the past, in this comparative study, it is important to note that in the due course of time, initiative has been taken to eliminate such imbalance, and bring the sportspersons to the same bargaining position as their employers, e., the clubs and administrators, largely through collective bargaining agreements. However, in India, this challenge still persists, due to the fact that those enjoying the employee status enjoy more benefits, but determining such status continues to be a complex challenge, with no straight-jacket formula. An alternative solution to this problem was considered be to be the creation of unions, which would allow them to collectivize themselves and have superior negotiating power. However, it is pertinent to note that the freedom to organize unions does not include the right to participate in collective bargaining which has been proven to be a successful instrument in resolving imbalances, and employers have the option of refusing to recognize such associations. As a result, current developments in India indicate that another strategy that might be used to address the imbalance is the formation of a sportspersons association, as recommended by the Lodha Committee, inside the framework of the Sporting Authority. As a result of legislative or judicial acts, sportspersons representatives are given a place at the table in the committees of athletic organizations. Article 19.1 of the Indian Constitution embodies the fundamental right to form unions and associations to deal with the uncertainty of status of workers. The Trade Unions Act of 1926, hereinafter referred to as the Act, is the statutory mechanism governing the area and providing the definition of a union. Section 2H of the Act defines a union as any association, whether temporary or permanent, established principally for the purpose of regulating relations between workers and employers, between workers and workers, or between employers and employers, or to impose restrictions and conditions on the conduct of any trade or business if any. Ergo, in consonance with the provisions of the Act, 
Indian sportspersons also enjoy the right to form unions and associations. However, this is only true for sportspersons who fulfill the subjective tests as discussed in the previous section. The correlation of this right and recognition of workers as employees was propounded by the Honorable Supreme Court in the case of Tirumala Tirupati Devastanam v. Commissioner of Labor. Other relevant judicial pronouncements. Freedom of movement of workers in the EU The Bosman ruling. A relevant challenge arising out of the confluence of labor law and sports in the UK is that of the determination of applicability of the right to free movement. The right to free movement, as contained in Article 45 TFU, is a core principle of labor law under European law. It applies to a worker as defined by European law. In light of this, it is worth mentioning the case of Jean-Marc Bosman, which brought about a transformative change in European football, by helping diminish the imbalance of powers discussed above. Prior to the Bosman judgment, a player could not leave at the conclusion of their contract unless the club agreed to let him go for free or got an agreed sum from a purchasing team. In this instance, Bosman relied on the 1957 Treaty of Rome, which protected free movement for players across Europe. The verdict permitted a player to leave a club on a free transfer as soon as their contract ended, giving them power to demand massive signing-on bonuses and wages from new teams to compensate for the lack of a transfer fee. Recognition of a club as an industry in India The Tata Sports Club case. In this regard, it is worth noting that for an industrial dispute to be brought against a club, in light of applicable labor laws in India, the same should be recognized as an industry. In the case of Ratalal B. Rivji v. Tata Sports Club and another, the Bombay High Court analyzed the question of whether the respondent club fell under the definition of an industry under the Industrial Disputes Act, 1947. The court relied upon the dominant nature test. Further, it took note of the fact that the club ran on its own rules and regulations, its aims and objects, among other factors, to decide that the club would in fact fall under the definition of industry, making relevant laws applicable to it. In the case of Secretary, Madras Gymkhana Club Employees Union v. Management of the Gymkhana Club, the sports club was treated to come under the definition of industry as provided in the Act, however, the dicta given was overturned in another case of Bangalore Water Supply and Sewerage Board v. A. Rajapa and Oars. Conclusion. While the confluence of labor law and sports may be complex, it is crucial to maintain a balance between the powers of various stakeholders in the industry, as is evident from the above analysis. In the author's opinion, the existing flaw is attributable to both, the insufficient and narrow labor laws as well as the lacking sports legislations in India. The NSFs, SAI, and the MOI should be given clear directions and be imposed with heavy sanctions in cases of non-adherence to employment laws, and the labor laws should be given a wider judicial interpretation so as to include sports stakeholders, especially the sportspersons, within their purview. Dash. For any query, feedback, or discussion, Akash and Rhea can be contacted at editor at sportslawandpolicyreviewreporter.com. Note the opinions and views expressed in this article are that of the authors and not of SLPRR. The expressed opinions do not, in any way whatsoever, reflect the views of any third party, including any institution slash organization that the authors is slash are currently associated to or was slash were associated to in the past. Furthermore, the expressions are solely for informational and educational purposes, and must not be deemed to constitute any kind of advice. The hyperlinks in this blog might take you to web pages operated by third parties SLPRR does not guarantee or endorse the accuracy or reliability of any information, data, opinions, advice, statements, etc. on these web pages. Preferred citation, 
Rhea Mishra and Akash Batra, Contemporary Labor Law Issues in the Indian Sports Industry, a Comparative Study, SLPRR HTTPS colon slash slash sportslawandpolicyreviewreporter.com slash 2022 slash 07 slash 17 slash Contemporary Labor Law Issues in the Indian Sports Industry, a Comparative Study slash opens in a new tab greater than July 17, 2022.